The news this week has been grim, but if you're a reader, you've always got an escape. Welcome to Midtown Bookshelf. This is Serena McDermott, and I'm here with Matt Rappel. Hello. Hello, and Allison Dijak. Hey there. This week on Midtown Bookshelf, we're discussing books that bring us joy, whether it's a childhood classic filled with nostalgia, a fantasy tale that transports us to another world, or a silly story that has us bursting with laughter. You can always find a book to lift your mood and buoy your spirits. Together with my co-hosts, we're going to be talking about books that have us feeling good. Matt and Allison, tell me, how have you two been doing this week and what are you doing to bring a little joy into your days? Well, honestly, I've been doing pretty good. It's uh, it's a little bit weird to be stuck at home and not working. Um, as some of you know, I'm a teacher, so it's been weird not being able to go to school and see kids and students every day. Um, but, you know, I'm just trying to make, make the most of it at home. Um, I'm trying to take advantage of, I guess, having more time at home. Uh, I really like cooking, so been able to take on a few more exciting recipes. Um, like last week we made homemade bread for the first time. I know it's it's been, I've seen a lot of people have been making bread. It's kind of funny, mm -hmm. but uh, it's something that does take a long time to go through like the rising process. So, you know, when you have a whole day at home, you can do things that are a little more adventurous like that. Um, I've been making some homemade iced tea and some different flavors. So yeah, it's been fun to take something that I love doing, but spend a little bit more time to, uh, doing it. And there's been, there's been a few things that have brought me a lot of joy this week. I know Allison and I were, we have been stuck at home like everybody else, but we've been trying to find joy in the little things. So one of the things that has really brought me joy this week has been my return to journaling. I used to do a lot of journaling when I was traveling. I was over in Europe and I used to journal every night and every morning and I filled up like a full journal during those trips. But of course, when you have a nine to five job like teaching or I mean any other job like that, um, it takes up a lot of your mental and, and, and physical energy. And you find before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning, you don't always have the time or the energy uh, to do some reflection or some journaling. So now that we have a bit of time here, we have been staying at home, I've been trying to get back into my um, nightly journaling and I try to do three pages every night. And it just is an opportunity for me to reflect on the stuff that I do during the day or the, my priorities or things that I've noticed or stuff that's been going on in the community or around our house. It's just been a nice opportunity for me to unwind and do a bit of writing, um, which I don't often get a chance to do. So that's number one. And the other thing that I want to say that brought me a lot of joy this week is that we, that Allison and I live on Park Street near Grand River Hospital, and it has been such a joy to see the support of our community for the Grand, Ris Grand River Hospital workers. Um, all along our streets, there has been um, sheets with, with messages of support for the Grand River Hospital workers. Um, there's been people who put in lawn signs. We had some of the neighborhood kids putting um, little decorations in the trees that were the hospital colors. And it was just, it's just been such a joy to see the support that our community has for the hospital and for the workers in this really difficult time. So seeing that has made me feel just so lucky to be a part of this amazing community of Midtown. 
Um, and it's just brought my heart a lot of joy. So it's been, it's not hard, it, even though we are stuck at home, it isn't too hard to find reasons to be joyful in amidst this difficult time. That's great to hear. And yeah, we definitely want to give a shout out and express our appreciation for all those people who are working so hard for us. We're uh, doing our part, staying home and connecting digitally. And we hope that everyone else is out there um, staying safe and being uh, joyful in their homes. So to kick us off, we've got a real fun, joyful song, one that you just have to sing along to. This is When the Night Feels My Song by Benno and Sound Clash. I'm on the rocky road Heading down off the mountain slope And as my steps echo, echo Louder than before Another day is done Say goodbye to the setting sun See what I found Back to the ground Just like before And hey, hey When the Night Feels My Song by Benelin Sound Clash. You're here listening to Midtown Bookshelf on Midtown Radio. Welcome back. 
And uh, Allison, I think you've brought a book for us, a book that's going to spark some joy, which is our topic of the week. Yeah, today I brought uh, a really, in one, in my opinion, one of the most hilarious uh, picture books out there. Uh, it's called The Wolf, The Duck, and The Mouse. Uh, it was written by Mac Barnett, who is an American writer uh, based out of California right now. Um, but a name that might be a little more familiar is that it's illustrated by John Clausen. So John Clausen uh, is Canadian. He's living in New York right now, but he grew up uh, between Niagara Falls and in Toronto as well. And he, I would say, was made pretty famous by the Where Is My... or I Found, I found a Hat, We Found a Hat, Where Is My Hat, <laughs> a big series about um, different animals finding different hats and the arguments they get in about them. So he's uh, teamed up with Mac Barnett to create this new story of some animals that also find themselves in uh, a bit of an interesting situation altogether. Um, so I'm gonna share with you guys a little bit of the book and then we'll, we'll chat about it after. So this is The Wolf, The Duck, and The Mouse, written by Mac Barnett and illustrated by John Clausen. Early one morning, a mouse met a wolf and he was quickly gobbled up. Oh, whoa, said the mouse. Oh, me, here I am, caught in the belly of the beast. I fear this is the end. Be quiet, someone shouted. I'm trying to sleep. The mouse shrieked. Who's there? A light was lit. A duck lay in bed. Well, said the duck. Oh, said the mouse. Is that all? asked the duck. It's the middle of the night. The mouse looked around. Well, out there it's morning. It is, said the duck. It's so hard to tell. I do wish this belly had a window or two. In any case, breakfast. So we now see the mouse is uh, joining the duck around a little table with chairs and the background is all dark, uh, showing that they're in the stomach of this wolf enjoying breakfast. The meal was delicious. Where did you get jam? The mouse asked. And a tablecloth. The duck munched a crust. You'd be surprised what you find inside of a wolf. It's nice, said the mouse. It's home, said the duck. You live here? I live well. I may have been swallowed, but I have no intention of being eaten. For lunch, they made soup. The mouse cleared his throat. <clears throat> do you miss the outside? I do not, said the duck. When I was outside, I was afraid every day wolves would swallow me up. In here, that's no worry. The duck had a point. Can I stay? The mouse asked. Of course, the duck said. This called for a dance. The ruckus inside made the wolf's stomach ache. Oh, whoa, said the wolf. Oh, shame. Never have I felt such aching and pain. 
Surely it must have been something I ate. The duck shouted up. I have a cure. You do? asked the wolf. Yes, an old remedy sure to settle your tummy. Eat a hunk of good cheese and a flagon of wine and some beeswax candles. <laughs> and as we turn the page, we see the mouse and the duck at a big long table full of food and candles on candlestick holders and enjoying a bit of a nice meal. That night they feasted. The duck made a toast to the health of the wolf. But the wolf felt worse. I feel like I'll burst. It hurts just to move. A hunter heard the wolf moan. So now a hunter shows up and uh, it takes a shot at the wolf. And when that happens, the mouse and the duck get a little bit mixed up inside the wolf. They start to get worried and are not quite sure what to do. So the mouse decides that they are going to fight and try to defend their home. And then we turn on to this lovely, lovely image. I wish you could see, I encourage you to look it up, of the duck and the mouse flying out of the mouth of the wolf, holding a hockey stick and a pot and a strainer on top of their heads as helmets. And they're both saying, charge. Oh, woe, said the hunter. Oh, death, these woods are full of evil and wrests. He fled from the forest and never returned. The wolf bowed down to the duck and the mouse. You saved my life when I thought not to spare yours. Ask a favor of me. I will be glad to grant it. Well, you can guess what they asked for. And that's why the wolf howls at the moon. Oh, whoa, oh, whoa. Every night he howls at the moon. Oh, whoa. The end. <laughs> so, what did you think? <laughs> have you guys ever heard that one before? I know, Matt, uh, we have it at home, so you've you've taken a look through it before and shared it with some students. That's one of the, that's a book that I've brought into uh, a couple of different classes on supply days. Mm -hmm. And also when I was in the kindergarten class and it's so funny, the, the, the different reactions I get uh, from some of the older kids who may have heard of some of the folk tales on which this story is based. Mm -hmm. They love it. They think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, one of the, the funny thing is the kindergarten class that I shared this with, they didn't really know what to do with it. They didn't, they weren't able to really make heads or tails of the idea of a mouse and a duck living into, in the stomach <laughs> of a wolf and the, and the duck and the mouse um, are, you know, they're, they're, they're the protagonists, even though they've been eaten. It's, mm -hmm. it was interesting to watch the reactions on that. They didn't really know what to make of it. Yeah. So I, I just want to make sure that I, I got it right. So the, the duck and the mouse, 
their wish is that they go back inside the wolf. Is that what they do? Yes. I thought I would leave that as a bit of mystery, (laughs) but there is a picture at the end where they are back inside and having a little dance party uh, back inside the wolf. Yes, because they've made that their unconventional home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I I like this one because it's one that is like really funny for adults as well. It's one Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can share with kids, but also really enjoy kind of the silliness of the characters and like how I guess clever they are um that they're just gonna live off (laughs) this wolf and and what he ingests and and enjoy their life that way (laughs) well it it pokes fun at uh at at the sort of the morbid aspect of these old uh these old folk tales Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you know being swallowed by the wolf was like the worst thing that could happen. You know, oh, don't go in the forest because you're going to get yeah. swallowed by a wolf. Oh, don't come back after dark because there's wolves out there. Yeah. But it pokes fun at that idea of, oh, yeah, you know what? That's not too bad. It'd be kind of cozy <laughs> in the in the belly of a wolf. Yeah. I love that it, that it plays on the folktale, uh, the folktale narrative like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I liked I liked how the duck specifically says that that's his that was his biggest fear, and then here he is. It ends up being his biggest wish to return yeah. to the belly of the beast. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like how this book, like, it gives a nod to the classic fairy tale. You know, it has the wolf, a hunter, talking animals, but it does kind of throw us for a loop with how the story is set up, like. Most stories, we would typically see the animals getting eaten, like as the big climax or at the end of the story. But in this one, they um, that's the first thing, like the first page is that a, a mouse meets a wolf and it gets eaten. Um, and then I also like how it kind of flips around what usually might be like the heroes of the story. You know, usually the hunter is like the great hero that saves whoever is trapped in the belly of the wolf. But this time the hunter actually kind of ruins their plan a little bit and they they want him to go away and scare him off. Um, Do you guys find um, that there is like a merit or some sort of appeal in these kind of like mixed up fairy tale books? I think that this is a this is like a perfect sort of like postmodern fairy tale where there's really no good guys and there's no bad guys because I mean the mouse is presented as being you know, kind of a bit dim-witted and, and, and grateful for being in, uh, for the hospitality shown by the duck. The duck is, being, is, is presented as being, um, you know, a, a, a perfect, yeah, it welcomes the, the, the mouse into his home and, and allows him to be at home there. The wolf is even shown in a sympathetic light, you know, swallowing up the candles, swallowing up the cheese uh, to try to settle his stomach. So you kind of feel bad for the wolf in that respect. And I think even the hunter too, I mean, the hunter, he's hearing this and he's, yeah, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to kill the wolf, but I think he's also, it's, it sounds like he's hearing the racket maybe trying, you know, it sounded to me like trying to free the duck and the mouse as well. Um, so I think there's, there's no real heroes. There's no real villains in this story. And I think it's a really cool sort of postmodern 21st century twist on, on like the classic, um, you know, good versus evil wolf versus um, yeah, wolf versus garden animals or wolf versus hunter sort of, uh, sort of fairy tale. Yeah. This one, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Peter and the wolf, um, and the story that's around that, like the different animals, like interacting in different ways and kind of tricking each other. Um, I really liked that. 
Yeah, and I I like what you said before, Matt, about how you've taken this into multiple classrooms and how the older kids really love it and how Mm -hmm. sometimes the younger kids just don't quite seem to get it. And I think that has to do with the fact that when you're a bit older, you've had that much more exposure to these classic fairy tales. So you have that framework of what a typical fairy tale looks like that that kind of gets um, jarred by this atypical fairy tale that we just heard. And yeah. that's kind of where the humor comes from is that you have these expectations of the typical fairy tale and then they they get subverted by the author. <laughs> so that's, I think, what makes it really funny. And they, you need that background information to enjoy it. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that the appeal of these types of stories is like, we're always curious as as readers, right? When we kind of we know a story and then there's an idea that we can learn more about it. Like we can hear the backstory and we can kind of get in on like, what's that, that different perspective about it? You know, what is really happening inside a wolf's stomach when he eats up a character? So I think there's, there's an interesting, um, appeal of like wanting to learn more about characters and wanting to just, um, kind of keep exploring a story. I find that that, that, uh, brings that story to like a different perspective and we get to learn a lot more about that. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a fun story, Allison. Thanks mm-hmm. for bringing that in. Yeah. Do you have a song for us today as well? Yeah. So uh, I chose a song that kind of, uh, I guess, went with the the message that comes along with the story about, you know, thinking that things have come to an end for these animals, but uh, realizing that, you know, there's more to life and there's another way to look at it. Um, So I brought a song by Craig Cardiff. Uh, He's actually originally from Waterloo, so a bit of a local artist. He doesn't live in town anymore, but uh, he was someone that I always listened to growing up uh, in the area. And he has a song called Memo, Not the End. And it's, it's perfect and goes along with this book really well. So here it is, Memo, Not the End by Craig Cardiff.
That was Memo, Not the End, by Craig Cardiff. You're listening to Midtown Bookshelf. I'm Serena McDermott, and I'm here with Matt Rappel and Allison Dijak. Um, Matt, I think you have brought a book with uh, with you today, another book that is going to spark some joy and lift our moods during this week. What did you bring in? I certainly have brought a book that's going to spark some joy. This book that I chose for today is an absolute classic. It is up there on the pantheon of children's books, with Love You Forever by Robert Munch and The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, which we heard last week. Uh, you brought that in, Serena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jillian Jiggs is a story written and illustrated by Phoebe Gilman, who, even though she was born in New York, she lived most of her adult life right here in Ontario, in Toronto. And listeners might recognize that name because Phoebe Gilman is also the author of a whole host of other amazing children's books. For example, Something From Nothing, uh, the giving, uh, not the giving tree, the balloon tree, uh, and grandma and the pirates. I mean, basically her entire collection, uh, is considered to be classic and Jillian Jiggs, the book that we're going to read today was Gilman's second book. It was published in 1985 by Scholastic here in Ontario. And interestingly enough, I found an interview that Phoebe Gilman did, uh, in which she talked about how her first book, the balloon tree, uh, not the giving tree, the balloon tree, mm-hmm. uh, took 10 years to go from the, her initial idea and her initial conception uh, through to the publishing. So if there's any listeners out there who have been sitting on a creative idea and are struggling to get it into the world, you can take heart because uh, look at how it turned out for Phoebe Gilman. And this book is simply called Jillian Jigs. It's the first book of the Jillian Jigs series. Uh, and the sequels include Jillian Jigs to the Rescue, which is one of my favorite children's books up there with the original, uh, The Wonderful Pigs of Jillian Jiggs and Jillian Jiggs and the Great Big Snow, which was actually the last book that Phoebe Gilman published uh, before her death in 2002. So we're gonna get right into Jillian Jiggs by Phoebe Gilman. A long time ago, when she was small, Jillian Jiggs wore nothing at all. Those were the days her mother would sigh as she looked around her room and started to cry. For Jillian Jiggs liked to dress up and play, and this made a mess of her room every day. Jillian, Jillian, Jillian Jiggs, it looks like your room has been lived in by pigs. Later, I promise, as soon as I'm through, I'll clean up my room, I promise I do. But somehow, I don't think that Jillian is really the type for room cleaning. I don't know. We'll see how this turns out. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Jillian meant every word that she said, but later that promise flew right out her head. When Peter and Rachel, or sorry, when Rachel and Peter started to shout and Jillian Jiggs just had to go out. Now in the story, of course, Mrs. Jiggs, like any good mother, comes back to check on Jillian's cleaning and how it's going and surprise, instead of a nice neat room, Mrs. Jiggs finds Jillian outside with her friends playing a dress up game in cardboard boxes. Jillian, Jillian, Jillian Jiggs. It looks like your room has been lived in by pigs. Later, I promise, as soon as I'm through, I'll clean up my room. I promise, I do. And this time, Rachel and Peter chime in. We'll help, Mrs. Jiggs. We'll do it, don't worry. We'll all work together and we'll clean in a hurry. And they started to clean up her room, it's true. They started to clean, but before they were through, Jillian thought of a game that was new. Let's dress up as pirates and tie sails to the bed. Heave ho, you landlubbers, full speed ahead. They dressed up as dragons, they dressed up as trees, they dressed up as bad guys, who never say please. <laughs> they dressed up as chickens who were cooped up and caged. They turned into monsters who hollered and raged. They tiptoed and twirled like little light fairies. They made themselves wings and flew like canaries. Whenever they thought, whenever they thought that it was they were through, She'd change all their costumes and start something new. Then Jillian's mother came in with her mop, took one look around, and fainted. Ker-plop. <laughs> start cleaning this second, right now, not later. Start cleaning right now, I want this room straighter. And so Jillian says, you'd better go now, Rachel and Peter. I'll see you tomorrow when everything's neater. And that's the end of the book. And the last picture of the book is probably my favorite, even though all of Phoebe Gilman's illustrations in this book and her other books are exceptional. Uh, this last picture, it shows Jillian. She's sitting at her at a desk. Her mom is forcing her to clean up her room and she has the mop and her friends, you can see them out the window, they're just leaving. And instead of cleaning, Jillian, even though she's by herself, after all this disaster, she's sitting daydreaming into the mirror with the mop head draped over her hair like a <laughs> wig. It's a very, very cute picture. And that is Jillian Jiggs by Phoebe Gilman. Oh, there's and so much nostalgia in that book. It really it. is just a phenomenal book. One of my favorites. Yeah, that it repetitive. That, Sorry, go ahead, Serena. Uh, just as you started saying that, uh, as you started reading, I was thinking to myself, okay, Jillian Jiggs, I've probably read that before. And when you started in with those first few lines, it was almost like that long forgotten melody that just suddenly can you can play the whole thing in your head. Just as you started speaking those first words, I was like, oh, yes, I know this story. <laughs> and every 
word just like resonated in my brain. I was like, yes, I know this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but even just... Oh, go ahead, Sorry, Alex. hearing the like Jillian, Jillian, Jillian jigs, like that is, that's my childhood, honestly, hearing, you know, my mom and I singing that and, and saying it along with the books all the time. That was such a, that's such a memorable line. Um, just yeah. even the, however she thought of the character's name, like that is something that's going to be in, you know, people's memories for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, I love this book growing up. But I'm sad to say that the, when I came back to it in preparation for this show, the first thing that popped into my head reading the book now is, oh my gosh, Jillian Jiggs would be a lot to handle in a kindergarten class. <laughs> I don't know yes. what that says about yeah, our school system or, or me as a teacher, but like, uh, I feel so jaded now that that's my reaction to it. <laughs> Well, isn't it so funny how like so much of the joy that this book sparks is really because of the memories associated with it, mm -hmm. right? At least for me, that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah I agree. I this one really, it transports me back to childhood a lot and just thinking back on like, you know, imaginary games that I'd play and crafts and creations that I would make with my brothers or with my friends, like just kind of seeing what she does with her friends and the kind of the magic that they bring to their playtime together. Um, just, yeah, it kind of brings you back to what, what you did when you were younger. I love it. I, I, there, there's a great uh, illustration in the book of when Jillian Jiggs and her friends are outside playing with the cardboard boxes. And I remember I have this vivid recollection in my childhood of looking at, at the, the way that they decorated those cardboard boxes it is so beautiful and it is just so creative that it just made me want to just go and play with cardboard boxes for hours. Yeah. Yeah. I love how, how creative she is. She really sparks a lot of sparks. A lot, I'm sure she sparked a lot of ideas for younger kids. Um, yeah. yeah, I think this book really speaks to the importance of as adults taking the time to read with our, with the kids in our lives and play with them because that those memories that you create are going to last forever. For sure. Well, what I noticed about this book is actually it, it ties into our, our conversations about the character of Jillian Jiggs. I mean, she is just such an iconic character. She is so strong-willed, so like has such a captivating personality and is so endearing that, I mean, her character really transcends the story itself. I mean, I think that I can relate her character a little bit to Madeline or Anne of Green Gables who coincidentally both also have red hair. Um, and I think that like the reader's connection or my connection and my love for this book um, and for the other books in the Jillian Jig series is rooted not, not really in the stories, but rather in the character, like the Jillian Jiggs character. What do you make of that? What makes the, what do you think makes the character of Jillian Jiggs so appealing and so popular um, to such a wide amount of readers? I think her creativity like as, as we were saying before, the way that she's able to transform all of these everyday objects into something so magical, turning a, a mop head into a, a wig that just transforms you into someone else, I, that is something is so magical. And as a kid, it's something I think that I aspired to. So I think that's what really speaks to me in Jillian Jiggs's character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. As a child, I always loved like dressing up and doing lots of different crafts and kind of different different creative things around the house. Um, and so I loved always reading about her and just seeing what she would make of different situations. Like I, I think it's really special when an author can create a character that 
like we don't even really care what she's doing we just want to read about her and see see what she is doing like it doesn't you know she can be playing with her friends or playing outside or or doing whatever but um Phoebe Gilman has just made Jillian Jiggs such like a magnetic character that we just always want to come back for more and uh and kind of see what what she's doing and how she's taking on the world yeah, for me personally, I think that she really represents the ideal or like the best of childishness. Yeah. And I mean that in like the best sense of the word. I mean, she's creative, she's imaginative, she's outgoing, she's fearless. Like she just embodies the best of what it means to be a child. And I love that about that character. And I actually, I can sort of relate, relate her character a little bit, not only to Anne of Green Gables. And I'm curious if maybe that it was... Uh, Phoebe Gilman's inspiration a little bit uh, for Jillian Jiggs. But also, interestingly enough, I, I kept thinking of Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, actually, just in the sheer imagination and, and the sort of antics that he gets up to. Um, I thought that was, a, that was an interesting connection that I had when I was reading the story. Uh, do you guys have an example of a story of a different series where you were captivated by uh, a, a character more than the story of itself? Is, do you have an example of a character that just transcends the book that they're in? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a tricky one. I mean, one that comes to mind right away is probably Curious George. <laughs> also kind of like a just a an adventurous uh, character that like you know wherever he's going to go, wherever the author is going to put him, he's always going to be entertaining and really endearing. Yeah, there's so hmm. many series that are out there for kids and I think that uh, while you read those series, you'll start to get to know the characters. And even that familiarity with the characters just makes you want to read more. So like one series that I read a lot growing up was Magic School Bus. Mm -hmm. And even though those characters, they they maybe weren't as three-dimensional as as some others, uh, just seeing them again and again, book after book and um, you know, getting to know a little bit about their quirks and personalities and stuff that, that I think really endeared me to them. And, uh, you know, I'd talk to my sisters and say, oh, I want to be uh, Phoebe in, in <laughs> Magic School Bus. Oh, I'm going to be DA. Like that was really uh, fun for us. So that, that's what comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. it's always special. Sorry. I think it's always special when you can for you almost feel like you've formed a relationship with a character from a story um even when you know you don't see them talking and moving around like a tv show or or a movie but you just feel like you've gotten to know them through the words that the author is using and the the clever illustrations i think that's a really neat connection to have yeah jillian i mean serena you said that you you were sort of were you aspired to be kind of like Jillian Jiggs when you were when you were young. I had the exact same uh, the exact same feeling, and I think that's really what makes a character transcend uh, a story is when you, when the reader aspires to be like that or sees something within that character that they just want to have in their life. That's really special. Mm-hmm. And Phoebe Gilman definitely created that with Jillian Jiggs and some of the other books that she has in her series as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Matt, for introducing us again to Jillian Jiggs, and I think you've brought a song for us as well. I have. Uh, the song that I've chosen for today is one that definitely embodies the spirit of Jillian Jiggs. Jillian, with her boundless imagination and her playful, endearing personality, she is nothing if not young-hearted. And the chorus of the song that I've chosen is, When we were young, we were young. We were poised for the moon. 
We'll reach for the sun again. Don't let me get old. We'll still be young hearts to the end. And I like to think that Jillian Jiggs, even if she ever, if she ever grew up, she would still always have her young heart. So this is a song by the band Inlet Sound from Montreal, Quebec. One of my favorites. This song is called Young Hearts.
was Young Hearts by Inlet Sound. So Serena, what book have you brought for us today to finish off our Midtown Bookshelf episode? The book that I brought that I thought would spark some joy, maybe some laughter, is The Book with No Pictures. This book is by B.J. Novak, who is a writer on the hit series The Office. Very funny guy. And uh, this children's book just makes me laugh every time. I've read it to lots of groups of kids at school, at camp, um, relatives, and it requires, well, it doesn't require, but I like to use a little bit of sort of acting and really ham it up when I'm reading mm -hmm. it. So I'll always bring in the picture book, and which is called the book with no pictures. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, uh, my friend or the teacher down the hall just gave me this book. I've never heard of it before. I've never read it, but I thought, you know, why don't we give it a shot? And I'll open it up and and I'll tell the kids that I have no idea anything about this book and then I'll start reading. So I'm going to go ahead and, and read it for you here and just uh, hopefully you can tell from my voice that I'm really trying to play it up and, and be funny. So <laughs> here it is, good. The Book with No Pictures by B.J. Novak. This is a book with no pictures. It might seem like no fun to have someone read you a book with no pictures. It probably seems boring and serious, except here is how books work. Everything the words say, the person reading the book has to say, no matter what. That's the deal. That's the rule. So that means even if the words say, blork, wait, what? That doesn't even mean anything. Blurf. Wait a second, <laughs> what? This isn't even the kind of book I want to read. How many more pages are there? And I have to say every word that's in the book? Uh-oh. I am a monkey who taught myself to read. Hey, I'm not a monkey. And now I am reading you this book with my monkey mouth in my monkey voice. That's not true. I'm not a monkey. Also, I am a robot monkey. What? I didn't want to say these words. What kind of book is this? And my head is made of blueberry pizza. Wait a second. <laughs> what? Is this book over yet? Can I stop reading? No? There are more pages I have to read the rest? My only friend in the whole wide world is a hippo named Boo Boo Butt. <laughs> and I'm going to stop it right there. I'm sure you guys can tell by this point, a class is usually rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> and I'm almost uh, doing that. <laughs> it, is, it is a really, really funny book. And my favorite way to use this book is as an inspiration for writing for kids mm -hmm. because they get the, the idea through this book that um, writing is a great form of communication, a great way to relay a message and kind of have some power. So I tell them, if you want to go write a book, you take the time, if you can form all those letters, look up how to spell every one of them, you put in the time to make the proper punctuation, then you or a friend or I as the teacher, I'm going to read that book for you no matter what it says. Mm -hmm. So this can be a really exciting thing for kids to kind of get some power to get their message out into the world, whatever that message might be. I love that. I love that it's just like, this book is pure silliness. <laughs> you know, the author has just chosen to just be over the top and ridiculous, but yeah, in a really clever way with like clever language. Um, I love it reminds that. me of like reader's theater. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's, it's like a monologue. It's like a great monologue. 
where you're you're talking you're talking with yourself and you never quite know i mean the way you read it serena was fantastic because as the class they don't really especially a young class might not know whether or not the the teacher is actually reading the book like the teacher's part in the book or mm -hmm. if the teacher is actually saying it in response to the book and that i think is the genius of it the book yeah. almost creates the teacher as a character within the book itself yeah and so the actual text within the book when you're reading some of those like outbursts where it says blork or blurf those are they're big bold they're colorful writing and then some of those little little asides like where you're talking to yourself and you're mm -hmm. saying hey i'm not a monkey that's written in very small text underneath oh. um I, to kind of indicate for the reader i think if you're the one who's reading it aloud to um kind of give you the instructions of how to read it and, yeah. and know that you need to say that one a little more quietly. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's really neat because it is very much a conversation, but as you heard, like that was the, the, the whole text, I wasn't putting any of my own words into that. So that actually was all written there. Yeah. I love when, when an author kind of invites a reader into almost into the, the writing process. Like as you read that, it almost feels like you get to be part of the writing. Like you're, you're seeing what the author is thinking because they're, they do have these kind of two points of view, you know, the loud blurt outs and the silly bits, but then also the small kind of narrative bits. Um, I feel like you get to be a part of what the, the writer is thinking there. I do agree, Serena, that it, this book could be super valuable when it comes to teaching writing because i think especially in primary grades kindergarten grade one grade two even grade three a little bit i think kids sometimes view pictures as being much more exciting than text mm -hmm. um, so this book can show the students that text does not have to be boring it doesn't always have to be about telling a linear story or writing all the words in the correct you know correct way it can be just as interesting and just as funny and just as silly as drawing a goofy picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to, to say to the students that this book shows us that the message is in the words. A lot of times early readers, they'll, they'll just take a look at the picture and start describing what's in the picture. And that's a great stepping stone on the way to reading. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we need to get them to understand that the message of a book is in the words. So when I read this out to the class, I'll also um, drag my finger across the page and show them where I'm reading from for mm -hmm. these big outbursts. So when I say, uh, also, I am a robot monkey, I'll drag my finger across so they can see these are the words that are in the book. That's why I'm saying them. Yeah. Yeah which is kind of a great uh, tool. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Serena, what's, what is the reaction that you get with a class when you first introduce a book with no pictures? When you say, I'm going to be reading a book with no pictures, do the kids, what are the, what's the kids' reaction? Um, I, I don't think I've seen like really big reactions one way or the other. I think like as an adult, I think I look at that and say, okay, this is just like a gimmick or <laughs> like I was kind of turned off by the fact that it was a book with no pictures. But, uh, I think the average class, when I introduce it, I think they, you know, they, they trust you as the adult that you're probably going to introduce them to something interesting or good mm -hmm. so i've so i haven't had any negative reactions mm -hmm. um i know this book was new for both of you had you heard anything about it before or did you have any first impressions of what a book with no pictures might be i've always oh sorry go ahead matt 
I feel like I had the same reaction to you, Serena, because I'd seen this book in bookshelf in bookstores a, a couple times and on in teachers' classrooms. And I'm always a little bit wary about books that are like overly gimmicky, where mm-hmm. an author is just using you know a, using a, a gimmick to, in order to sell their book. So I didn't. I mean, I always looked at it and I was like, okay, like a book with no pictures. I mean, that's clearly like a selling point, but. I'm not sure if it's going to be any good. So I sort of shied away from it initially, maybe similar similar to what you said. But I'm really happy to hear that it's more than just a gimmick, that it's actually just a really, really well thought out, well put together book that, in my opinion, seems to be written just directed towards kids and about, about children's enjoyment. I love that. Mm-hmm. So this book actually is available on Overdrive, which is the public library's uh, online catalog. So you can go on. Um, there is a, a wait right now, but you can put a hold on and you can have this book um, to read on your own device at home if you're you're at home and looking for that. Nice. Um, and then in the meantime, I've got a song that I'd like to share. Uh, This song is from East of Avenue, which is a Toronto-based band, and it's just a nice, upbeat, kind of romantic, uh, well, maybe not romantic, but it's a love song, and it makes me happy. This song is Paper Planes. I walked around the world a hundred times and realized that freight trains and paper planes are just like you and me. Funny how the world keeps spinning round and round and round Where you land is where I'd like to be And I wandered down the road and met up with a drifter He said, hey, I don't think we met Do you need a place to sleep? The tides are changing, the wind will lift you up And baby, where you land is where I'm gonna be Fireflies that fly so peacefully We have been running around Tired of moving all around Where you stand is where I should have been Whoa
Welcome back to Midtown Bookshelf. That was Paper Planes by East of Avenue. Today we've been sharing with you stories that lift our moods and buoy our spirits. We heard a mixed up fairy tale from Allison Dijak. The Wolf, the Duck, and the Mouse by Mac Barnett. A childhood classic from Matt Rappel. Jillian Jiggs by Phoebe Gilman. And I shared an all around silly pick, The Book with No Pictures by BJ Novak. We'll be coming to you next week with an all new episode, so stay tuned. And until then, keep reading.